0: On the 4th of September 2016, His Holiness Pope Francis canonized an Albanian Indian Roman Catholic nun and missionary in a ceremony in St. Peter's Square in the Vatican City. Tens of thousands of people witnessed the ceremony live, including 15 government delegations and 1,500 homeless people from across Italy. It was televised live on the Vatican Channel and streamed online. In India, where she had worked, a special Mass was celebrated by the missionaries of charity in Kolkata. History will remember her as Mother Teresa, and she remains in death as in life a controversial figure. Anthony Medaro and I are back with more Blind History. If you've missed any of the episodes up to now, shame on you. Shame. We've done so many and there are many more to come. Today, Mother Teresa. How excited are you about talking about Mother Teresa? Oh,
1: very. It's very polarizing. It's very interesting. (laughs) If we talk about when she became a saint, but then you look at
0: how many people actually came to her funeral. I believe they weren't a lot. Mm. I'll quote some stuff from one of the books that I've read that is in my library at home that isn't exactly kind about her, but we have to admit that this woman made an enormous impact on the world. Her name, her real name, Anes Gonya Boyace. That's how you'd pronounce it. She was born in Skopje, which is now in Macedonia, and then she moved to Ireland for a little while and became a nun. She was always very religious. She, at an early age, was fascinated by missionaries, and she used to tell her mother that's all she wanted was to dedicate her life to Jesus and to spreading the word of Jesus and to doing good work as a religious nun. And when when she was in Ireland, she joined the Loretta convent there and, and the sisters. And then she decided she actually wanted to go to India because India had the most poor people. There was this... Um, this tension between the various religious sects in India. She felt the poor in India were the poorest of the poor. And she was actually the person who patented that poorest of the poor saying and uh, decided to head off. And And upon doing so, by the way, when she moved to India, that was the last time that she saw her mother or sister ever again. Her father died when she was only eight years old. So she just abandoned that family for a religious family. Her mother had a big influence
1: in her life. If we... It- Right through her life, she kept referring back to her mom because it it was a very politically fierce area they were living in. If you look Mm. at the Albanians and the Serbs Mm. and that type of rivalry and war. And the dad was quite political.
0: Apparently, yeah. Apparently, he was in (laughs) politics.
1: So, he was in politics. And also, you can see through her life, she has a little bit of that from her dad that she definitely inherited. After her dad passed away, obviously, then they became very poor. But her mom would invite anybody and everybody to the dinner table. didn't matter if they were Serbs or Albanians, whatever it might be,
0: anybody. No wonder they were poor. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, When she moved to India, she also took on the the name of her patron saint, her favorite saint, which was Teresa, Teresa de Lisieux, who was the patron saint of missionaries. And she then changed her outfit as well to the famous one that we've all seen, the white cotton sari with the blue border that became the uniform of the missionaries of charity. And that was kind of her presentation. And maybe this is something that you rightly point out she could have got from her dad, this idea of how to present yourself almost politically. 100% agreed. But her time there initially,
1: Gareth, I think, was to teach. And she actually taught rich children Hmm. rather than, let's rather say, well-off children. And just across the fence – were what they would call the untouchables. And you could see that she had a different, almost a different career. After this particular career in teaching, she wanted to go to the poor, and that's when she started the Missionaries of Charity. But initially, she was teaching and then became the principal of this
0: Catholic school, which ultimately, that wasn't her vision. Mm. That's an important word, vision, because at that stage, there were obviously a lot of religious people doing good work, but she somehow managed to turn that into into something that had international attention and acclaim. And, and we'll go through some of the things that she was involved in internationally in a moment. But I thought it was interesting. When she founded the Missionary of Charity, obviously there were a very small group of nuns, ended up being, by 2012, 4,500 nuns and in 133 countries. Now, whether or not you like Mother Teresa or whether or not you think that she was a, you know, a pure philanthropist or an altruist, The fact is, if you can create that kind of groundswell of support and you can get that many people dedicating and devoting their lives to a cause which didn't exist before you came along, I think that deserves a lot of credit. It definitely does. She built a massive brand. I think she was quite aware of that. So they they built these homes of the dying um, and nuns would take vows of chastity, poverty and obedience. And and eventually – she was – Acknowledged early in the 1960s by a lot of people and she started to make public appearances and started to speak about poverty and about hospice and about death and these kinds of things. But she eventually received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, which was a bit of a turning point because from there on her fame and acclaim grew. And she's always been referred to by a lot of people as this apotheosis of a good person, that this is what someone who dedicates themselves to others who gives who doesn't care about receiving those were largely the the opinions of the majority of of people who knew that she existed the opinions of her that people held
1: yeah it's exactly right i think during her lifetime particularly in that period i mean she was revered and it's only later on stories came out that maybe you know she received millions of dollars in terms of of donations for the missionaries of charity all around the world, exactly what you had said earlier. And, you know, there's claims that only 7% actually went to those missionaries or to those orphanages or, or dying houses.
0: So maybe this is an appropriate place to bring in Christopher Hitchens' book, um, Missionary Position, which is the, the book where he, <laughs> where he kind of tears apart the reputation of Mother Teresa. He called her a fanatic, a fundamentalist, and a fraud, He said she was not a friend of the poor, but she was a friend of poverty. She would take money from people, as you've already indicated, the Duvaliers of of Haiti, who were uh, a dictatorial family who had done nothing but oppress the people of that island. Uh, Charles Keating from Lincoln Savings and Loan, who'd stolen millions of other people's money. She used that to build 200 convents in her own name. And this is not someone who's not interested in anything for themselves. If you build 200 convents in your own name, that, indicates a little bit of ego if nothing else and it wasn't modesty or humility humility according to Hitchens, um she didn't believe in the empowerment of women or female reproductive rights at all so that was scary gareth i mean it's from that perspective she said that contraception was murder not even abortion and she was so opposed to contraception in a part of the world where a lot of women had no control over the reproductive rights at all where men would decide for the women that they were to be beasts of burden and to be beasts of reproductivity for their lives and would be thrown into this never-ending cycle of just making children, um, which is obviously the recipe for the opposite of the emancipation of women from poverty. And his criticism of her extended to her preachments, which he says led to worse, not better lives than they might otherwise have had for the people in, in her care, and that she was obsessed with death. That the Houses of the Dying almost became a death cult where people weren't really interested in helping you, rescuing you, saving you, curing you, and removing you from what would have become an obvious uh, death, but rather just to help you get there quickly so that you could be saved by God at the end, so that you could make your, your peace and just go. Saving souls in the name of the Catholic Church, even
1: for those people that didn't necessarily want to be part of the Catholic Church. And, as is. you
0: indicated, only seven percent of, of what she's supposed to have brought in went to the the people who she was supposedly raising this money for. In fact, they say even worse is the fact that all of this money went straight to the Vatican, that her her loyalty to Rome was almost paramount to everything else. yeah. I don't think the Vatican is poor, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So here are a couple of quotes from her, and this kind of maybe hints at what Hitchens always criticized her for. A beautiful death, she said, is for people who lived like animals to die like angels, loved and wanted. So it didn't matter that you were poor and miserable and hungry. As long as you died in her arms or the arms of the missionaries of charity, everything would be okay at the end. Which is a little fatalistic. Um, She said, by blood, I am an Albanian. By citizenship, I am an Indian. By faith, I am a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the world. And she actually died five days after Princess Diana, who was a friend of hers. They used to be in correspondence. They were both regarded as these women of charity and women who cared more about the poor and the downtrodden than anyone else. Do you know how many languages she spoke? No, I don't. Five. Okay, good Not bad uh, yeah. Bengali, Albanian, Serbian, English and Hindi Didn't she take a while to learn Bengali? I think it took yeah, a fairly long time But that's five more languages than most of us Yes, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Give her credit for that Yeah, 100% anyway, she, she is now Saint Teresa Yeah uh, So there's another Saint Teresa There are now two And uh, she was canonized in that famous ceremony by Pope Francis Who's the current Pope And she's held in great esteem by many Catholics and people in secular charity all over the world. The sainthood from basically curing two people, a lady and a man, of the tumor. That's right. Now, this is interesting because in order to be canonized as a saint, apparently you have to perform miracles. Exactly, yeah. And in her case, that's exactly what she's supposed to have done with these two people. The one guy was someone in South America who she apparently laid hands on and his tumor was cured. And uh, the other one was this woman who you spoke of. But I think the one was after her death, and there was just a locket with
1: a picture of her on the chest. So I'm not sure if it was the man or the woman, but there was a locket on this particular person's
0: chest, and they were cured. Do you know that the job of devil's advocate is an actual job Okay, in the Vatican? There's an actual really? job. Yeah, there's a, they, okay. they hire a, a person who is critical of someone as a devil's advocate, who is called in to present the case against the Canonization, or, yeah. yes. And and that's actually someone who who is called in, different people are called in different times to present all the facts that prove that this person should not be canonized. Mm. So it's an actual job. You can say, I was devil's advocate for X, Y, and Z, which is fascinating. And I wonder what the devil's advocate was saying about this particular <laughs> canonization. I mean. There are still huge controversies around what she's done. And obviously, since her, her departing, the missionaries of charity have continued. But obviously without her at the head of it and the enormous PR machine that she constructed around herself and that was constructed in her name around her, it doesn't necessarily have the kind of of influence that it might have had in the years gone by. If we look at the description of some of her orphanages
1: and dying houses, one person likened it to a type of concentration camp Mm -hmm. and uh, needles were reused training was not up to standard for scary
0: places you weren't going in there to get better
1: yeah exactly and i think the mortality rate was 40 percent she had heart problems in in the last decade of her life and she had three heart attacks and she really had the best care in america
0: yeah she said famously um it is not how much we do but how much love we put in the doing it is not how much we give but how much love we put in the giving and that's from her writing uh, no greater love Uh, She published in about uh, 1990, somewhere around there. So there it is, the famous Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa. Thanks for listening to this episode of Blind History, brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters.